Live. 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 Live from New York. This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast. You're New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. We did another two episode week here. We're going to do the NFL picks later in the week, but the NBA season starts to, on Tuesday. Brooklyn kicks off against Milwaukee. Lakers host the Warriors. Knicks are in action on Wednesday. So we'll do an NBA preview show today. I'm going to be joined by Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. We're going to talk about the Knicks, the Nets, all the local, all that good stuff in just a bit with Jake. We're also going to do our two-minute drill. We're going to talk about the NFL email scandal going on here. And you've heard plenty of the emails. They took down John Gruden. He's no longer the coach of the Raiders. I think there's more there than the NFL wants you to know. We'll talk about why at the end of the show. But we'll get it all started with our opening tip here. We're going to talk about the NBA locals. My point of view here. What's going on with the Knicks and the Nets this season. What to look forward to right after this. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, opening tip time here. Talking NBA, and it's a sad state of affairs in this town that we are not even to Halloween yet. We're still two weeks away from that. And football season's done. The Jets, we know, are rebuilding. They're one and four coming off their bye. The Giants got embarrassed. We'll talk more about that later in the week, but they're one and five. Their season is long over. The baseball teams are done. Mets didn't make it. Yankees lost a wild card round. But the NBA is here, and the NBA offers some hope for both sides of the town, which is very rare because I feel like usually in this town, one team's good, one team sucks, both teams stink. Here they're both good. Start the Knicks. The Knicks, for the surprise of the NBA last year, they had a solid year. Made the playoffs, got the four seed, got home court advantage the first round, ended up losing in five to Atlanta. But they didn't just rest in their laurels. They didn't just run it back entirely, say, okay, everybody's coming back, ready to do this. No, they did some changes. They made some key free agent retentions. They brought back Derrick Rose. They brought back Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks. Those three guys were key role players a year ago, having them back. Now you got some continuity. It's important for a young team to grow together and develop chemistry. That's important. They did overpay a bit to get Evan Fournier in here, get away from the Celtics, but he's a quality player. He can create his own shot. Not a lot of guys in this team could do that last year. He's going to be a big asset, especially at the times in the playoffs we saw that Julius Randle was the whole offense and the Hawks threw three guys out and nobody else could do anything. Fournier can do his own thing. The move I'm most excited about is Kemba Walker coming here. I think that's a massive struggle move. This is an immediate offensive upgrade, point guard, get a good value deal. This is not something the Knicks would usually do in the past. When Kemba Walker was sitting on Oklahoma City, who Oklahoma City, you know, is just moving guys for picks, and they're keeping picks in 2027, 2029, as far as they can go, you would think the Knicks would have just traded a pick to get him. Instead, they let the process play out. Oklahoma City weighs him. Knicks gave him a short-term, good value contract. And he had some more dimension to their offense. He can run the pick and roll. He can create his own shot. He can set up his teammates. You have to watch his mids a bit, because obviously he's had some injuries the past couple of years. But I like the Kemba pickup. The problem for the Knicks have here, obviously, is they are on the way up, but the East around them has gotten better. 
We know the big three. We know Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Philly, the top three teams in the East. But you look at it, Boston should be a lot better than they were a year ago. Some better health, some good moves. Miami picked up Kyle Lowry. They'll be a big threat in the East again. The Raptors, after playing in Orlando all last season, now are not going to have to play eight, 72 row games. They're going to be home in Toronto. That's going to help. I think they'll be good. I think they're good enough to make the playoffs, whether that's the hosting one of the playing games or being a six seed. They should get there. If the Knicks are not at least in that mix, you have a problem. But I don't see any reason they shouldn't barring a catastrophic run of injuries. That's important here because the Knicks are trying to build some credibility with future stars, future free agents, and saying, hey, like we're not a dumpster fire. You don't have to come here, bring five friends, and fix the entire thing yourself. If you're getting progression out of R.J. Barrett, out of Manuel quickly, you have Julius Randle on a long-term contract. The cap sheet's pretty clean. They'll get make a move with a disgruntled star that says, I want out, and you can do that. So you have tradable contracts, you have picks, you have assets. They are well set up here to make a move if one presents itself, and that would be the next big step. But for now, maintain your progress. Don't go backwards. Keep going forwards. That would be important. Brooklyn, on the other hand, the Nets are a fascinating study because on paper, they should be the title favorites. The big three are healthy. You got big role players coming in like Paul Millsap, Patty Mills, Blake Griffin is back. Marcus Aldridge is back. You're saying, wow, they have a lot of depth. They can do a lot of things. But the Kyrie vaccination situation is going to hover over his team. Irving hasn't gotten the shot yet. Seems like he's no intention of doing it because right now he's decided that he is the voice of the voiceless, and he's going to represent all the people who are losing their jobs as a vaccine mandates. Okay, Kyrie, whatever. You are the chance of the people? Okay. This feels like another case of Kyrie just trying to be oppositional because he's Kyrie. Either way, the Nets said, you know what? Screw it, Kyrie. You can stay home because based on the current rules in New York City where you have to have a shot of the vaccine to enter any gym or entertainment venue, he couldn't help them. You can't have this situation where you have one guy who's only there half the time. It's not fair everyone else involved because you have to treat the player separate from the other players because he can't do the same things everybody else is doing. He can't play in home games. He barely got the right to practice in New York because of a ruling by the city last week. But Kyrie thought he was getting an exemption. He's not getting it. It's not fair to make them plan differently for home games or road games. Not fair to act like you know Kyrie has his own set of rules. This is one team. It should be one set of rules. You can't operate that way. The good news for Brooklyn here is that they have a deep roster. They still have two stars in their team, and Kevin Durant and James Harden, who did get the vaccinations. They are on board. They are 100% in. They could still win the title. They have enough here with Durant and Harden and the depth they have. The problem is not even Kyrie Irving makes this a lot harder than it needs to be. And who knows if Kyrie at some point Maybe in December, maybe in January, decides I miss basketball, get the shot, I want to come back. Maybe the rules lift, he's able to participate at that point. But as long as these rules are in place, he's not getting a shot. And I don't know which will change first. It's not happening. It's not happening. So we'll see what Brooklyn looks like. This is not a problem for them in the short term because they will be able to play around with Durant and Harden running the point and have good quality role players. They should still win all their games, get in. We'll see come playoff time if Kyrie decides, I want in. We'll find out about that, so we'll see what happens there. But up next, we'll talk more NBA with Jake Fisher right after this. Basketball is my favorite sport. I like- 
like the way to dribble up and down the court. Just like I'm the king on the microphone. So it's Dr. J and Moses Malone. I like slam dunks and taking it to the hoop. My favorite play is the alley oop. I like the pick and roll. I like the give and go. Cause it's basketball or Mr. Curtis Blow. All right, I am back here today previewing the NBA season, joined today by Bleacher Reports. Jake Fisher is here. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well, Mike. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. I must admit, I'm a Nick fan. I'm excited for this season because I felt like after last year when they had the overachieving run, they didn't just roll it, run it back and say, well, we're going to do this again. They made some upgrades. They brought in Evan Fournier, Kemba Walker. What do you think about the Knicks offseason? Yeah, I think – it was pretty apparent in the playoffs, especially talking to people in the Knicks organization that they really were lacking on ball uh, creativity in the half court, especially in, in that postseason crunch. Right. I mean, Julius Randle was kind of the engine of their whole offense throughout the regular season. And it wasn't really something he was capable of doing, honestly, once the postseason you know, came to a slog and, you know, defenses had an opportunity to scout for, or not defenses, Atlanta's defense had an opportunity to scout him, you know, fully. And I think Evan Fournier that they're hoping will, will be able to address some of that, but a, a lot of it obviously comes down to Kemba Walker and the key there will, will be simply about his health. Right. And that's the reason why he's even available uh, to New York right now, being that if he, if he was healthy and, and had a, a pretty clean bill of health in Boston, I'm not sure he would have ever left. I, I think, I think a lot of the ramifications uh, for him falling out, with the Celtics, you know, from everything I've heard, you know, kind of stem from his, his, his availability questions. So we'll see if he's able to, to recapture that, that, that cardiac Kemba MSG magic and uh, take the Knicks to the next level here. But um, I, I think there's still tempered expectations about the Knicks around the league. I think people expect them to still be in that five seed ish range. I don't think they're everyone. I don't think many people are expecting them to take a, a big leap forward here. Yeah, I think you have a good point, the expectation, because last year, everybody will admit the four was probably an overachieving situation here. And then you have the East this year where a normal year, Boston should be better. Miami should be better. Teams like Washington, Chicago may move. Toronto is back home. Like, what do you think is a realistic spot you think the Knicks could lay? You think it's that five-seed area? You think they would be disappointed if they're not at least in the play-in mix here? Yeah, I think I think they should be a playoff team. Um, I mean, they were the four-seed in the, in the East last season, obviously. Um, you know, a couple teams got better. Miami gets Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker. The Hawks should theoretically only take a step further if they're all healthy. And a lot of guys got paid. So clearly, um, you know, this group is, is committed to, to building something down there, um, you know, in Atlanta. And then you got Chicago and who who knows what how Charlotte can continue to improve. Like there's a lot of teams in that muck that can really slot themselves from – you know, four through eight, honestly, maybe even four through 10. I mean, how did the Pacers rebound off of Rick Har- with Rick Carlisle in mind? So uh, the Knicks have as good a shot as anybody to kind of emerge in that top tier, that second class of the East, if you will, maybe the third class behind, you know, where, where Philly might stand in their own second class tier behind Milwaukee and Brooklyn. But yeah, I, I think the Knicks, especially being that that defense is going to travel. Tom Thibodeau is going to be Tom Thibodeau and he's going to never let go of the rope and want to step on his opponents next night after night. That's a, that's a big advantage that the Knicks had last season that I think will continue this year as well. 
Yeah, I might go to Brooklyn for a minute, too, because Brooklyn obviously title contender. We'll get to the big elf in the room in a minute, but they did make some stealthy offseason moves here. They bring in Paul Millsap. They bring in Patty Mills. They have a lot of veterans on this team. I think about Brooklyn did in the offseason. I think they got a, I got a lot better. And the Kyrie situation notwithstanding, um, you know, you add Patty Mills, you bring on uh, uh, Paul Millsap, and Lamarcus Aldridge comes back. And, and I was just I was just talking to someone with Brooklyn last night who is a huge fan of Javon Carter. I mean, they went out and I there was word around the league pretty strong that one of Brooklyn's top initiatives this offseason was to go and get a third point guard, someone who they could rely on and withstand moments without. Kyrie Irving or James Harden, just like they needed to in the playoffs last year when Kyrie went hurt and James was, you know, struggling with a hamstring injury. So uh, they've got that guy now in the case that Kyrie is not there for the time being. So um, I think they've clearly gotten better. And if they bring Kyrie back at a certain point, um, if, if he's able to reincorporate into that group, that was to get all the more scary. But I think even without him, they're projecting as a top two team in the East. Yeah, I want to get to the Kyrie thing, obviously, because, you know, he's not vaccinated. You know, he's not here right now. I mean, it's, it's pointless to guess at Kyrie whether he's going to actually want to show up at some point or he's going to take the stand, skip the whole year. But assume let's play the game here for a second. He does stick to his word and doesn't come back until the rules are lifted here. If he's not there down the stretch for Brooklyn, like how much harder is it, is it for them to win the title? Um, Honestly, I'd only say incrementally harder. I think, you know, Heading into last season, the Nets were considered to be the favorite in the Eastern Conference. Um, and with all due respect to the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, basically that team has just swapped out James Harden for Kyrie, who's objectively, I think, considered to be a better player. And they've added more depth with guys like Patty and Paul Millsap and the Carter thing we mentioned before. And, you know, hopefully Joe Harris, they're hoping Joe Harris continues to progress and has a better postseason performance than they did last year and doesn't seem to be any real reason to believe it won't like the Nets are still pretty damn good. And I think, yes, having Kyrie obviously would make them all the more dangerous. They were the best offense in league history last year, but Kyrie James and Kevin Durant only played eight games together in the regular season. They still had the two seed. Um, and, uh, you know, they still came within a Kevin Durant shoe away from beating the eventual champions. So the, the, the Nets are for real with or without Kyrie. Yeah, you mentioned the Bucs. Obviously, they are defending teams. I feel like this is a very quiet offseason. I mean, nobody's really talking about what's going on in Milwaukee. And obviously, they're happy they have a first title since the 70s. So do you think they can repeat here? What do you think the odds are in Milwaukee you can run it back and win another championship? They certainly can. They're going to have to get through Brooklyn, most likely, and a bunch of teams in the East that are a lot better now that we've already mentioned. Um, and they're going to need to – I mean – they're, I think their potential really got unlocked when Bobby Portis was able to stretch the floor and, and knock down threes consistently. And P.J. Tucker added an extra element uh, to a small ball switching type defensive style that, you know, Mike Budenholzer was kind of resistant to use for a while. And they lost P.J. Tucker and kind of replaced him with Grayson Allen. So what's that drop off going to be there? Will Bobby Portis be able to replicate um, what he did in the postseason? You know, we'll see. It certainly seems like he can. He already did it, right? Um, and he and he took a one-year deal to go back um, to Milwaukee on a smaller number um, to be able to play into a bigger contract and compete for one more title. So um, it would it would it would seem to be that he will be all the all the motivated or all, all have all the motivations to continue uh, to do what he did for them a year ago. So um, the Bucks should I think just I think someone once told me you, you gotta 
give the reigning champs the title of being the favorite until they're dethroned. So I will give Milwaukee that. Yeah, I think that's certainly fair. I'll get to the Lakers, too, because obviously the West is a bit muddled with a lot of injury concerns. Teams like Denver and you have Utah, we don't know. The Lakers, obviously, they make the fascinating move to go get Russell Westbrook to be the third star with LeBron and Anthony Davis. And people are always questioning, like, what's the fit? How these three guys got to work together? How is the ball sharing going to go? But, like, I do think they're still the favorites out West. What do you think about the Lakers? They're probably the favorites. I mean, people in the league are probably concerned them to be the favorites, but, you know, Phoenix, they made the finals, right? Just like we were talking about Milwaukee, I think you got to give them credit where credit's due. They have the second best record in the league all regular season, and they made it all the way to having a 2-0 series lead before obviously fumbling those last four straight. But in the DeAndre and contract extensions, you know, aside, and you know, they brought back everybody, everyone's gotten paid. Um, and it seems like a group that should continue to, to forge forward together. So I think Phoenix is still a team to consider. Everyone around the NBA has kind of got an eye trained on Golden State. Like, how does Clay come back into the fold? How does um, how are they able to blend their veterans with their rookies? It's not typically an easy thing to do. Um, but if anyone's capable of doing it, it's Steph Curry, Steve Kerr, and the Golden State Warriors. So I think there's a lot of expectation that they could really be a legitimate Western Conference title contender. Yeah, would you say the Warriors are your biggest bounce-back candidate for a team? Because I feel like the Clay Thompson thing is just like sort of like the big jet fuel because that team last year was in the play-in and then lost to the Lakers and ended up not making the field. But I think if Clay is able to be like 60% of himself this season, I think they have a good shot to make a deep run. I think so, too. I think so, too. And, you know, Steph Curry had his greatest offensive season ever last year, right? So he's a two-time MVP, and he had a better season last year than he ever had before. So that's pretty dangerous when you think about it like that. Yeah, let's go the other way for me. Like, who is that team right now? Had a big leader last year and could take a step back. Because for me, my eye would be on Philly because of the whole Ben Simmons drama. I feel like the long that that Festrick really impact them. Is there anybody else you're watching here that you think could take a step backwards from last year this year? Philly makes sense. Philly makes sense. Um, you know, Portland, everyone still has their eyes trained on to that Damian Lillard situation and wondering whether you know if they're able to stumble if they stumble out of the gate to start the year right will he will his eyes start lingering elsewhere i mean washington i'm very curious how that group can come together doing that they had a pretty tumultuous year last year with covid uh, and injuries kind of making a lot of other guys unavailable um will that happen this year who's to say in terms of like a lot of those guys have, have had a lot of injury concerns in the past um, and the defense that, I mean, that, that was a huge question mark for them under Scott Brooks and, and the players they brought in, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, KCP, they're not known to be, you know, KCP's done what he can in the past, but at this present stage, none of those guys are known to be guys who truly impact their team defensively. Right. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see if the Wizards are still in that playoff picture like they think they are. Yeah. You mentioned the Simmons thing. How do you think that ends up playing out? Like, how long do you think it is before Philly ends up moving him? I think, I don't think it'll happen before December 15th. I think they'll really need um, to wait for a bigger playoff or a bigger player pool to become available when guys who sign in free agency are eligible to be traded. Um, and I also think it will be dependent on, you know, another team starting out slowly. And they're hoping that someone who thinks they are a 500 team, a playoff team, whatever, that they start below expectations. They'll, they'll start to maybe not panic, but reevaluate things and, and up their offer and give something that more that Philly is actually holding out for. 
Yeah, because I feel like it goes one of either two ways. Either he either goes to Portland and I swap for Lillard, or he goes somewhere that's like a team that's desperate to try and make the playoffs, or like a Sacramento or something like that. Just gives up pieces to try and make a move. So you think he's a difference maker. I feel like that's the only two ways it goes. It could be. It yeah. could be. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously we're a long ways away from the. I mean, he's starting tonight, but the finals are a long way away. Like, if you had to pick today, like who would you be your favorites to get to the finals from both from uh, both conferences? Um, you know, like we said, I kind of want to give Milwaukee credit where credit's due and, and make them the favorite in the East. Um, but if it's, if it's not them or Milwaukee, I'd be very surprised. Um, and you know, out West, I really do think, um, I really do think that it's a Phoenix Lakers, Utah, Portland, or not Portland, Denver, um, um, kind of a conversation with those four two teams. I mean, Phoenix and Utah were the top two teams in the East or in, in the league all season long. Denver, we haven't really fully seen them uh, with Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon outside of an eight game stretch, and they were undefeated in that stretch. And if, they, if they're able to float um, without him this year, and when he comes back and he's at full strength, I mean, that could be a pretty dangerous team together. Um, and from there it's, it's the Lakers, right? I mean, they, they've got the talent, they've got LeBron. I think, I think those are the four teams that I'm really keeping my eye on and Golden State and Golden State they mentioned as well. So five teams. Yeah. I feel like the league wants Nets Lakers to happen. I just don't know if it actually will. It might not. I mean, there's so much that happens in the stretch of a, of a, of, of a season and a playoff picture from luck to injuries to you name it. So, um, it's never as easy as it said. You know, it's it, it's all it's always um, there's always unforeseen variables you have to play through and overcome, and that typically derails a lot. I mean, the Utah Jazz didn't expect to lose um, as early as they did, right? The, the Los Angeles Clippers didn't expect to lose Kawhi Leonard and still make the Western Conference Finals. So there, there there's a lot that needs to be um, actually played out rather than discussed on paper. Yeah, for sure, Jake. Thanks for all the times. I really appreciate. You got it, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. Before I let you go, I can people follow social media with your coverage of Bleacher Report. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Jake L. Fisher, uh, F-I-S-C-H-E-R. I'm writing a column for Bleacher Report once a week, and my book is still out, uh, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed League Forever. You can buy it anywhere books are sold, Amazon, bookshop.org, uh, Barnes & Noble, my publisher, Triumph Books. So, yeah, thanks again for having me and giving me the platform, man. No problem. I'll definitely put a link in there for the audience because they want to go check out your book. Thanks again. Thank you. Take care. The two-minute drill. All right, two-minute drill time. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL email scandal that's brewing here. And in case you're not aware of what's going on, it's hard from the fact that John Gruden got let go by the Raiders. He resigned after a bunch of emails came out from 2011 where he said a bunch of terrible things. There's a storm brewing in the NFL because a couple of years ago, they did a big investigation of the culture of the Washington football team, their organizational structure, the front office. We had that big story in the Washington Post about how the organization like mistreated women. So the NFL did an investigation. They collected 650,000 emails about the Washington football team called it from executives to other coaches to the league, so on and so forth. And here we are. But right now, what's going on here is you look at the emails, the ones the Times got their hands on. They're the ones that reveal that John Green was using racist, misogynistic, homophobic language when he was at ESPN. He was talking to Bruce Allen, talking to other people. 
All that came out. He got in hot water. He resigned as the Raiders head coach. The Times also found more of those emails showing the league's general counsel, Jeff Pash, was very, very friendly with former Washington team president, Bruce Allen, where he was waiving fines for Washington, listening to Allen's complaints about the hiring policy of the league, by investigation whether the team was discriminating against his cheerleaders, you name it. Pash was way too legally close, way too, like, I would say ethically it's wrong the way he was too close to Washington's team president. I mean, he's supposed to be operating for the league and supervising them. Those come out, and with all those emails, there have been a lot of calls for them to be released. Media has called for it. Pro Football Talk notably has been going after them. The NFLPA has asked them to be released. The NFL last week did something I think was very interesting. They came out, made a blanket statement to the AP that there was nothing else discriminatory, nothing racist, Nothing misogynistic, nothing homophobic in those emails. They put that statement out there. But here's the interesting part. No one from the league had the Stones put their name on it. It just said the NFL said this. We don't have a head of PR. We didn't have Roger Goodell. We didn't have any NFL official put their name on it. To me, that is very fishy. You combine that with the fact that the NFL made a point to shove that Washington investigation under the rug. Because remember last year, they got... An oral report from the investigator did not ask for a written report. They gave them minimal penalties. They gave Dan Snyder a fine and said, stay away from the team for a few months. It seems obvious there's a lot of stuff in there they do not want getting out to the public. The emails that got leaked about Gruden, to me, feel like a distraction. And should John Gruden have said those things? Absolutely not. But it seems like a distraction play, sort of like, hey, look over here. Look at this. Don't look over here behind the curtain. See what's going on here. Saying, look how bad John Gruden is. And John Gruden is our fall guy here. Because that was an easy one. Because he's not doing a great job out in Vegas. It's like an easy one to say, look, he's a bad dude. That's what the email showed. Not, here's all the other stuff that's going on in the league that we don't want people knowing. Again, this is not covering for Gruden. Because Gruden never said those things. But the NFL essentially saying, he's the only bad actor. is way, way, way too easy. There is dirt to be dug up here. Someone from the NFL clearly gave those emails to the Times to throw Gruden under the bus and see what happens to that and sort of get the attention off of the league as a whole. We will see what happens here. This is not the end of the story. I'm telling you that right now. There will be more emails coming out. I want to end this week's first show of the week. I want to thank Jake Fisher for hopping on here. Do an NBA preview. A lot of good stuff there. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my look at what the State of the Mets president based operations search looks like because... As of recording, it sounds like they're not going to get any of the initial three from their wish list, Theo Epstein, David Stearns, or Billy Bean. Where can they go going forward here? Where can they look? Check out the blog or just on thesuffering.wordpress.com to find out. Go subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering, your favorite podcast platforms and find out episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and starring as well to help make the podcast even better going forward. Go also follow my YouTube page, Mike Phillips, on YouTube. Individual conversations from the episode, including my chat with Jake, are up on the YouTube channel. So follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And that's going to do it for this week's first podcast of the week. We did our NBA preview show today. That was certainly a lot of fun. Coming up later in the week here, we're going to do our Week 7 NFL picks. Alan Austin's coming in to do that. We'll talk about the week as a whole and more. Until you have a better week than Dolphins fans.
This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.